and welcome to Realm Walkers, an Age of Sigmar podcast. I am one of your hosts, Gregory, and I am joined with my co-host. My name is Carlin, as always. Couldn't even say my name, Greg. Um, I thought you could say your name, and then I didn't tell you that you had to say your name. So this was kind of like a test where the first question is, what's your name? And you failed, so... Uh, I, I said my name. I know what my name is. That's oh weird. yeah, but you're gonna you're gonna go into post and you're gonna cut out that big pause, so they're not gonna know that you you sat there for like a good two seconds. Two seconds, more like five minutes, but we know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, so we are today. Oh my god, I forgot to ask what the title of the book is. That Called Storm of Blades. All right, so today we are reading Storm of Blades. So similar to the uh, other book we did uh, a couple episodes back, this is a book that I'm unfamiliar with, but Carlin has read in detail and made quite uh, substantial notes. So he will be explaining the story to me, and you'll be getting my reaction to things as they come on, or as they occur, and uh, comments with my thoughts on the lore. So this is going to be a first for anybody who hasn't read that book as well as for me. So this is sort of a live reaction, kind of like the other book that we did. But before we get into that, we need to start with what have you been hobbying? So Carlin, what have you been hobbying? Not as much so I would have liked. As you know, I'm about to start a new job, really excited about that. But I called it my prior job uh, last week and took advantage of a vacation pay I had for this week. And my goal was to do a lot more hobbying, just to you know get it out of my system before I start working a nine to five job. But Monday, I ended up being really busy. Then Tuesday and Wednesday, I ended up being struck down by these huge migraines just because I'm very weather sensitive. And there was supposed to be a thunderstorm going on both of those days, but just wasn't coming. But there was all the pressure in the air and it was just getting to me. Then the other day, I was up and going again. But then my lovely wife uh, wanted me to do a whole bunch of stuff. So I ended up being busy again. So I'm free. And now I'm doing this, which is fine. Great. I love it. But after this, I'm going to paint some stuff because, damn it, I want to paint some stuff. Some paint, some paint to get some paint on some models. All mm-hmm. right. So I have been a little bit more productive than uh, the last little bit. But uh, let's see. Uh, I have started with uh, another kit bash because I've been just trying to clear out bits. Um, and so I built a... Uh, I'm. Uh, it is a death dread, but I basically ripped apart uh, a regular old school dreadnought and sort of stuck all these parts together to make a death dread. Because I had a little. I guess I got a box of bits with an orc that looked like he was sort of in a pilot's chair. And he had a couple of uh, control sticks. I think he might have been for like uh, like a Daka jet or something like that. Okay. So I wanted to make it look like he was sort of piloting a mech, and I've been calling it my Victorc war suit. So I got that done. That's painted up. Uh, slowly yet surely working through those Seraphon. I'm trying to get uh, a couple of them done every day. I, I'm just I'm not a huge fan of painting rank and file. And the Seraphon models have a lot of detail in the rank and file. There's all little bits of gold. So it's been slow going. Mm-hmm. But uh, those have been sort of on my plate for the last little bit. Uh, and the only other thing that I have is I picked up a few days ago. Somebody was selling... Uh, a bunch of space marines with jetpacks for 20 bucks. I think it was 10 space marines with jetpacks plus another five jetpacks for 20 bucks. And as I play Blood Angels, I could always use more guys with jetpacks. And at that price, I couldn't say no. And they've been sitting in uh, they've been sitting in some super clean for five days because I keep forgetting to clean them. So it'll be easy as hell to clean them. I just need to get them out of the soup at some point. Nice. But yeah, that's been uh, that's been my hobbying for the last couple of a uh, couple of days. Other than that. Just- Tons of video games. Think about Seraphon. You have to remind me that I need to show you my painted source Sunblood. Really happy to paint job, and I think it's really striking. And I kind of just want to share it because it looks yeah, awesome. I love my uh, my source on on uh, my source on, or I guess it would be my um, old blood on Carnosaur is going to mm-hmm. be one of my uh, is one of my favorite models that I think I've ever painted, and it's almost done. And it's nice. in part because it was, I think, the first model I really tried uh, airbrushing with. So I got mm-hmm. some really nice airbrushing detail on that. And the basing model, uh, the basing, I'm really, really proud of on that model. Uh, it's this, uh, it's, um, I 3D printed this, uh, like, ruins that huh? looked sort of like Aztec ruins. It's got a big, uh, like, sundial on it. And I've added mm-hmm. a bunch of foliage. So I'm really proud of that model. Um, uh, yeah, you showed me a picture of that, and it looked fantastic. So good on you, man. 
So I just need to finish the the actual the actual rider is almost done. I just need to actually uh, wash him, and then he can go on. He's just he's all painted. I just need to throw on my 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 uh, Raglan flesh shade to make him the right color, and then glue him onto the model, and he is good to go. Nice. I think what I'm gonna do is I want to finish Drycho because I started her recently. Well, I had her uh, prime brown way back when. I just never really did much of her. And now I'm working with her and I'm getting the highs done. Really happy with the vibrant orange I got going on with them. Um, but I got to finish her. And then I think I'm going to be airbrushing a whole bunch of scenery because it seems that restrictions will be lifting in the very nearish future. And I want to get a whole bunch of scenery painted up so that way my scenery isn't just gray on the table. <laughs> Oh, what restrictions do you mean? The like uh, going out restrictions, or yeah, like the technically going out and having visitors inside your house. Because right now you can go to people and be in the backyard, but technically you're not allowed to go into our house. I know um, it's silly and stupid, but yeah. Yeah, you don't actually have to add this part, but I'm pretty sure that 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 ended today. Like it's done. Uh, no, I double checked. That actually lifts, I believe, on the fourteenth. Oh. I have to double check that when phase one actually begins. Oh, uh, it's. Because... Or maybe, it's double check. From, maybe it's different for up in Waterloo because it's done over here. Okay, weird. Yeah, because I double checked recently, and even with the phase one, it's still just backyard visiting. Hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Not that anyone's gonna actually be pay attention, but yeah, you know, yeah, with work, I have to just we have to be careful because last thing we want is to get her dinged on that, and then possibly have a bunch of issues since she works in healthcare. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, but I think so. We can we can go back in. Mm -hmm. And, um, all right. So I think that that covers a lot of the hobbying stuff we do. I mean, we could talk for a while here. I could go into detail over every single oh. individual seraphon I've painted and orc yeah. thing. One, uh, uh, just cause we talked about a lot more one of prior episodes. Did you end up trying, uh, contrast paint through the airbrush? Uh, dad ended up, uh, kind of monopolizing the garage for a couple of days and uh, I couldn't get to my airbrush, so I ended up just painting them with. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So I I did get them painted blue with the contrast, but I didn't end up getting to uh, airbrush them, unfortunately. No worries. I was kind of curious what you thought of it. <laughs> no, I mean, um, I, I I like the idea, and I still want to try it. I just need a model that uh, I have to do it on, and I'm sort of out of models at the moment. No worries. Uh, I just. I find it's almost like a better air paint from GW in that sense. Like it just, it's a little more vibrant color. As I said, it doesn't really do the whole shading thing that contrast is known for through yeah. the airbrush. It'll do it very lightly, but not nearly to the same extent, but you get a really nice vibrant color. Yeah. Although that, with that said though, you have to, you'd have to base anything you wanted to airbrush with in white with that. And I'd like to air, I like to base in black and then airbrush. It, that is true. You'd, uh, black doesn't definitely doesn't work as well. That said, I have done over different colors and I've definitely got some good effects out of it. So, oh yeah, I've done that too. I've um, I think uh, one of the things that I did with those crisis suits that are sort of half done was based in the lead belcher spray and then contrasted over that. It gives it sort of a metallic look, which I really liked. So like there definitely is like options there, but I like to base in black as often as I can, specifically because if you miss a spot in black, it's not noticeable. If you miss a spot in white, you could notice it across the room, outside, <laughs> on the stairs, at the shop. Like you're gonna see it and it just it bothers me and I know it's there and I'm like, now I've gotta go home, I gotta put a spot on there, and it's not gonna be the right color, and that's it. Mm. I'm getting angry just thinking about it. <laughs> That's fair. Well, let's stop making you angry and uh, <laughs> get on to the next section. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So why don't we start us off with the Zinchian lore? Perfect. So we are covering the Storm of Blades, the third book of the Realmgate Wars. Let's have a, look, a little couple things I want to throw in before we get started. Uh, this book is very detailed, and because of the, and it's a great thing, but because of that, I do skip a lot of little details and such. There are also some bits where I lightly change it in my summary. Not that it changes the events or the main importance of it, but it just helps the summary read a little better. So as always, I recommend people go read the books and everything. We are here to help guide you. And if you don't want to read it, you'll get a really good idea and an accurate picture of things. There's some slight changes I did to make it read a little better. Okay. So no, don't go yelling at me. Don't go saying that, you know, all those people who are absolute lore nuts and want everything to be perfect. I did. Lightly change it, I'll say. As someone who hasn't read any of the lore, I'm going to catch every little detail, just so you know. <laughs> well, this is more towards some of our listeners who might have read it and be like, what? That's not exactly that. And, well, 
it is and it isn't. It's just, I said, lightly changed it just to read it a little better. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't actually change any important details at all, but it is there. And there's tons of small details I skip over. Lots of little zine sheet and things I'd love to include, but to help it read faster and all that, because otherwise I'd be at this for hours and hours. I had to kind of say, okay, no, let's ignore those details as much as I'd love to talk about it. You know what? No, new plan. We're going to read the whole book word from word. Get started. Everyone, this is now an audiobook reading of the entire book. Cool. Well, 10 hours later, this episode will be done. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So that, let's delve in. So this book opens up with a character named Thostos Bladestorm. A Stormcast, remembering his previous life before reforging. He was then known as Prince Siran. In his memory, he had, he had just hunted down and killed a corn reaver. He and his childhood friend uh, named Tarm were heading home. As they were traveling, they see smoke coming from the village. Siren rushes ahead, leaving Tarm behind. The other village fields are burning, farmers are mutilated and pegged on stakes. Um, when he sees his home, there are pale bundles hanging from the walls, and this is at a distance, but clearly those bundles are bodies. He charges further in, coming across a mix of beastmen and savages. So clearly, beastmen and corn warriors have gotten together and are ravaging the village. These people were drinking and eating the flesh of the villagers they had killed. Siren rushes in, trampling them with his horse and slashing them with his sword. The savages and beastmen quickly circling around him and his horse. They stab and kill the horse with a spear, causing Siren to fall, be flung off. Quickly, Siren uh, defends himself when Tarm charges in, helping kill the rest. Tarm tells uh, Siren to hop off or hop on the back of his horse since there are hundreds of the savages following them. Dark clouds are beginning to cover the sky and it looks like it's about to rain. Before Siren could jump on the horse, this huge beast lord comes charging in. Tarm uh, yells for Siren to get on his horse, but Siren refuses to run while villagers are lying dead and defiled. Now, he is very loyal to his people and just wants to do what he can to save as many to still be alive. Tarm then charges at the Beast Lord from his horse, hoping to kill it with his sword, but instead the Beast Lord decapitates the horse with one swing of his axe. Tarm crashes to the ground with the horse crushing him under his body. The Beast Lord raises his axe to kill Tarm, but Siren goes intercept. The Beast Lord and Siren begin a, a duel, with Siren coming on top when the Beast Lord charges him. Siren had his sword kind of pointed forward, causing the Beast Lord basically to impale itself. Now there's lightning starting to form in the sky, and it's starting to rain. Siren goes to help his friend, but basically it's to no avail. Tarm's body is half crushed. Four savages and beastmen start pouring in all around him. Siren yells to Sigmar, asking for strength so he could defend his friend and avenge his people. As the beastmen and savages move in for the kill, Siren raises his sword in the air with a yell. Lightning strikes the sword, bathing everything around him in light. When the savages and beastmen recover their vision, Siren is nowhere to be seen. It's like, he asks Sigmar for help, but you're already really a big dick G. He's like, bet friend, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Off to the anvil with her you, God powers ahoy. Well, it's also like Sigmar kind of sees this guy is a true warrior. He is there. He knows he can't win this fight, but he's there to defend his friend to death. You know, type of people that Sigmar wants. I guess, I guess, uh, I guess this is like the only weird thing about this, and this is kind of a thing that I thought about with Sigmar for a while. So Sigmar was definitely watching that fight go down. Like he was on the sidelines. He had his little banner going like, go, go, go. And he doesn't like step in at the time to help him he waits until he's gonna die so that he can collect him for the anvil which i mean we see in other stories i think is brought up a little bit where people go heck why'd you wait till i died to help me out <laughs> um like especially with that one where you see like sigmar could have stepped in at any point shot some lightning down and took out the beastman to help out but i mean Obviously, he needs people for his big army, because if he doesn't have them, then, you know, he can't take down Chaos. But it's a little bit of a morally gray area for Sigmar, I feel, in moments like this. Yeah, Sigmar can be a little funny like that. One thing to remember, though, this is still during the Age of Chaos, when Sigmar's overall power isn't the greatest yet. And as you said, he's needing to build up warriors. So in a sense, he is watching people to see who's yeah. worthy of being one in Stormcast. 
So. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the best argument you could make against me going, like, couldn't he have saved it? It's like, so he saves, well, like, he saves this one person right now for him to die five minutes later to another beast man. <laughs> but otherwise, holding on to him to turn him into a Stormcast Eternal will help everybody for a longer period, and this guy can do a lot more good at <laughs> that time. But again, I think so. It, it, I think you kind of got to decide that on a case-by-case basis because some Stormcast really like having been turned into Stormcast and some Stormcast, when they get their memories of their past live, are less happy about it. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, so now we go back to Saren, now reforged and named Thostos. He's standing among Stormcast in the Stormbolt as Sigmar himself is there, calling out to the leaders of the various chambers. Yeah, this is one of the times we actually see Sigmar himself. Thostos is called forward, so he joins the other chamber leaders. Sigmar gets up from his throne, walks on his steps. He walks among the line of leaders and stops when he gets to Thostos, placing a hand on his shoulder. Sigmar finishes his speech. Basically, you know, it's a whole bunch of how you're my forge warriors and blah, blah, blah. You're going out to save the realms, you know, all the tip stuff giving you a bunch of hammers go bonk all of chaos don't come <laughs> back until i don't see any chaos no more yep but yeah so i'm not including the details because you know it's a lot of generic stuff but it's cool nonetheless read it because you, know, you, you feel inspired when you doing it but there's a lot in this book so i just have to cut that out but yeah sigmar finishes his speech and then tells the stormcast to go on to chamon lightning fills the storm vault and a stormcast are sent out you know, the great moment that we saw in the first book happens again. A little less awesome because we already know it and it kind of, since we've covered this before, they quickly skim through it, but it's still epic nonetheless, especially because Sigmar himself was there. It's just part of his weekly speeches, like every so often, hey, everybody get in for your speech. Go <laughs> be really strong because I gave you God powers. Um, yep. Please stop everybody from dying to the like evil guys that you all hate anyways. Bye. <laughs> Alright, so we turn to a character named Ephrax, the ninth disciple of the ninth tower. And I believe Ephrax is a god summoner. Ephrax was in his bedchamber sleeping and dreaming. In his dream, though, he basically sees what happens in the previous two Realmgate Wars, everything in Akshi. He sees um, the Stormcast coming, battling Corgus Call, all that stuff. Though, of course, he's. I probably listens to our podcast. He had a dream. Just saying. <laughs> Bruce's dream is in a much more ethereal dreamlike way, so a la our podcast. <laughs> um, at the end of the dreams, while he's still sleeping, he whispers Sigmar. Sigmar has returned. With that, he wakes up hearing thunder. Ephrix runs to his window and kind of looks out, scanning the surrounding area. He starts seeing lightning strike uh, an area in the nearby mountains up to about four times. He then becomes extremely anxious as he begins to mentally prepare himself for an invasion of Sigmar's soldiers. From there, he teleports himself from his bedchambers to his scrying chamber, a la magic, a la Zinch, because Zinch is all about this magic. Um, M.O. He loves it. Yep, very much. Um, In there, he begins to harness magics, calling out the power of Zinch. He looks through his scrying bowl, thinking he could be able to see into the minds of Stormcast. So he basically just wants to find out their plans. Sadly, the minds of the Stormcast were closed to him. Then, if Franks hears a chuckle behind him, this chuckle is coming from two throats at once. He composes himself and turns to look at his master. Standing there is Cairo's Fate Weaver. Big bird man. Uh, Greg, actually, with that, would you, since you are our demon person, would you mind describing this Lord of Change or Lord Changes in general? So, uh, oh God. Kairos Fate Weaver. I actually don't know him as well as I know, um... No worries. Even just a basic general bit to kind of describe what he looks like. Like I said, Big Bird Man. With two heads. Yeah, I believe uh, one of them always tells the truth and one of them always lies. Is that the deal? I can't remember. Partially it. it, They have different personalities. Sometimes they lie, sometimes they tell the truth. It's not one in specific that tells the truth, at least not in this book. But yeah, it has that going on. But yeah, he's, he's a giant bird man. He's got two uh, two heads, lots of gold, lots of blue, lots of pink. Uh, he's mm-hmm. one of the named demons of Zinch. I did that, I recognized his name as one of, the, I, and I believe you actually can get him on the tabletop as well, which is 100. 
100. Um, he is a model. Unfortunately, Zinch is, I think, the Chaos God I know the least of. Um, okay, fair enough. I don't, I don't know why he's just never appealed to me the way the other ones have, but I mean, his I, I do like Kairos's model a lot. It's a very mm -hmm. cool model, and yeah, yeah. So that's that's Kairos Fade Weaver, big bird man, good guy. Uh, yep, two bird head. <laughs> yeah, unlike Lord Lord of the Change, who have one head, if I remember right. Yeah, but I mean, it depends. Whatever, like Zinch is feeling like at any point, he's like, all right, you got one head, but also that one head yeah. is amassing writhing uh, clump of tentacles and also the rest of you is tentacles and uh, that's it, your tentacles now. That's what you are, I've decided. It's true. With Zinch there are no rules. Yeah, there's the only rule is that there are no rules and then every so often there <laughs> are rules to break that rule. Mm -hmm. Well here, let's uh, get back in. So Kairos Sweetweaver, he has two heads with very different personalities. In this situation, one is very amused and the other one's annoyed and pretty much pissed off. They also talk to each other. They start talking about how they should maybe eat Ephraim since uh, they ate the previous eight disciples before him. They banter about Ephraim's loyalty and abilities, all while Ephraim's just trying to say something. Finally, uh, you know, they let him speak. But yeah, it's kind of very clear that these two heads don't agree on things and they're just arguing with each other a lot. Ephraim's asks them if Zinch knew about Stormcast. And if so, why wasn't it informed? Why wasn't he informed at all? Kairos's two heads give different and contradictory answers. Of course, Ephraim asks him if they want him to bail his plan to bring Chamon into the realm of chaos. One head says yes, the other head says no. Of course. <laughs> the conversation continues on, with Ephraim trying to figure out why the Stormcasts are there. Suddenly he comes, he asks uh, Kairos if the Stormcasts know about the hammer. This could just says hammer. He goes. Well, that's right, uh, Gallimaraz is over here. This is where it got heated <laughs> to. Pretty much, but <laughs> he goes on further with this realization uh, that Kairos is there, basically to ensure him that the that the Stormcast don't find out about the hammer. I feel like they could have moved it somewhere like better than just here. Mm. Like I feel like they could have like there's definitely a better place to put it than just one of the realms. Like, doesn't Chaos have a whole series of its own realms somewhere? But I half wonder if, because of what Galmaraz is, that if it could even go into the realm of Chaos. Oh, it definitely can. Like, if Sigmar wanted to, he could definitely bring it. Maybe demons just can't move it. Maybe. Sort of like uh, Thor's hammer situation. I don't actually know. Yeah, it's one of those kind of mystical things with no clear answer to it. Anyways, Efrex starts to come up with a plan of defense against Stormcast, while also trying to plot about how to use the Stormcast to his benefit. That's kind of important. Zinch is all about the plotting. Oh yeah, man <laughs> likes his games. It's like man could straight up win everything at any point he wants, but he just doesn't want to win because he really likes the game. Man is the person supporting all of uh, Warhammer at this point. Pretty much. Yeah, so from his stream, he knows his Stormcast turn to lightning when they die. So he begins on um, trying to plan how to trap the essence of the Stormcast. He also decides to let the two nearby uh, lords, like the very various Chaos Lords, know the Stormcast, so that Stormcast would battle those lords and the Sigmar's followers would be weakened a bit. Kairos then teleports away with a cackle, uh, leaving Ephraim alone. Then Ephraim summons a little familiar, who he has named Thin, in his hand. Thin is literally uh, trapped in the form of a forged tall Kairos. Kind of showing how much Ephraim disdains Kairos and how he kind of like bullies him around because he kind of flicks a thing and all that. Just, you know, like, haha, you listen to me now. Thing didn't deserve this. Thing is the best character in this book. I don't even need to know <laughs> the rest. You know what? You're not wrong. Anyways, uh,. He tells Thing to deliver a message to the other lords. And then Thing flies off, and kind of amusingly, one of the two heads, because Thing has control of one head, the other head is kind of like magically controlled, and this head starts pecking at Thing's own head. Yeah. No! No! Yeah. This is my boy, this is my son. <laughs> must as much violence be committed against Thing. <laughs> Alright, so we turn back to Thosto's Bladestorm. He's... He and his troops are marching through what was a town right by a cliff face. There are mines in the cliff face, showing the past industry that took place in that town. These mines don't have been used for ages. 
Some of the mines have collapsed. The town is barren. One of Thosto's prosecutors uh, flies above, points to Thosto's, and leads him and his troops down a road, which kind of lead to a cliff. Uh, at the cliff face, uh, there is a Lork Calistant named Eldrock. Yeah, Eldrock uh, waiting there. Did you say Calistant? A Lork Castellant. No. Sorry, oh, Castellant. There, there, I was like, that. I feel like you mixed up two guys together somehow. Probably. <laughs> Their names sound familiar. Anyways, the new, Lord. New model, everybody. <laughs> the Lord Castellan's waiting there, and this guy had found a secret set of stairs in the cliff face leading down. The stairs kind of led to a sand lined floor in an empty room, though, that ended with a uh, rock face. But Eldrock um, kind of walks to the wall and kind of just walks through it suddenly, showing, you know, way out of dirt in the past, like to keep things hidden. Uh, he sticks out his hand, waves toward Thostos, and kind of waves, hey, come here, bro. <laughs> Get over here. We got we got magic and adventures in this cave. Let's go. Yeah. And so, you know, the Stormcast all walk through the big wall and kind of leads them down a path into another room. In this room stood a giant portal. This is uh, something Stormcast are looking for, the Durden's fabled, uh, fabled Silverway, which is a realm gate. Crosscutters uh, show Thostos of another trick of the Durden, opening up a wall uh, there that shows a hidden Durden town. Sadly, they can easily tell that the town is empty and desolate. Yeah, you know how the Realm Gate played such a big part in the first two books? Well, they just found a narrow Realm Gate and... I feel like played. being a town near a Realm Gate during the Age of Chaos was uh, not great. <laughs> yeah, it may have led to this, but this is very much a hidden area. No one knows where it clearly hasn't been touched by chaos. Mm. So. Oh, so it's, it's just empty, but there's no chaos then. Yeah, the, like this realm gate specifically doesn't look like it was tainted at all by chaos or anything. It's just there, hidden away because the dirt and do all their little tricks to hide things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Thostos rallies his warband when suddenly a ball of blue light kind of flickers across the sky. They're all like, the enemy is showing himself, ready yourselves. The ball disappears and reappears among the Stormcast. And then this Witchfire uh, ball bursts, spreading a, um, about 50 feet wide in flames. From the flames comes laughter and appears like, like there's horrors walking among it in a fire. Um, the Stormcast fires at these horrors, but the flames stops the bolts and arrows. Then suddenly it looks like Chaos Warriors are being teleported in behind a firewall, um, probably by the horrors using their magic. And these Chaos Warriors are as tall and as armored as the Stormcast Eternals. The flame wall dissipates and the two forces charge one another. And kind of like, uh, as the walls dissipate, they kind of get sucked in them, themselves in a way. And so the flames kind of get sucked up and finally dissipate in the center, revealing that Ephrax was there, floating on a disc and hurling magic at the Stormcast. Um, as the battle rages on and the Stormcast uh, begin to have an advantage with the Chaos Knights dying, Ephrax uses his magic to animate the dead warriors, healing their wounds, but not quite bringing them back to life. They have this weird kind of glow coming from their eyes. So the Lord Castellant, Castellant, <laughs> Aldrich, laughs at this, raising his lantern and shining a light across the battlefield. The Stormcast's armor begins to repair itself and their wounds are healed. But also, when the light touches the anime Chaos Warriors, the, their wounds burst open again, and the, they kind of fall to the ground dead. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, you got your trick, I got mine. <laughs> Is it, uh, it's a Uno reverse card? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so eventually, only the Sorcerer and his bodyguard are left. Ephrax runs back to his disc, because he had gotten off it at some point, and the Stormcast shoot at him. But he uses his waves of fire to stop the arrows and jumps on a disc and flies off. The Stormcast kill his guard, but you know they watch uh, where he's flying off to, uh, seeing that he's flying to uh, his great fortress in a city called Alexia. And you can see this big fortress in the distance and this kind of remnants of the city all around it. So, you know, the Stormcast begin traveling through the ruins of villages towards Alexia. 
or elixia sorry elixia not alexia oh okay yeah um it's like elixir but elixia it's throwing me off the way how it's spelled, but that's how it's spelled. Yeah, I don't Anyways. worry about it. Words, words on paper don't look like words from mouth. <laughs> it's true. Anyways, they met no resistance the first day of their travel. Now, they rest at night, but nothing comes to bother them. The second day, they run into a force of Chaos Warriors. And these Chaos Warriors are arrogant. They go charging and thinking, oh, we can beat them. But, you know, they're easily defeated by Stormcast because it's just a small little force of Chaos Warriors. And Chaos Warriors, they're not... You need to get a lot of them to take out the Stormcast. It's true. So, once the battle is done, Thostos goes and removes a helmet to look upon the lead warrior that he had killed. The man looks like a regular person. No clear signs of the Tainted Chaos. Then Thostos and Eldrock kind of talk about um, the man and it's like kind of talk about everything with that. Did the man choose to join the Runist powers willingly? Or was he forced to for the sake of his family? Stormcast kind of continue on um, after this. They move closer and closer to the Great Fortress. As they approach the fortress, they can see that it's entirely made up of metal. And there's like little skulls all around it. This begins to kind of overwhelm the Stormcast uh, forces since they're starting to wonder how they defeat what's ever inside. Because this fortress is massive. Uh, I'm going to recommend that the Stormcast try uh, Hammers and Lightning. <laughs> yeah, so Thostos rallies his forces, but then he sends some prosecutors to go ask for re reinforcements from his ear. Basically, they'll use the Silver uh, Way uh, to warp there and get some people. Oh, so the Realm Gate's working as well. I thought mm -hmm. it was just... Oh, it is okay. working. Oh, all right, all right. So they just... Yep. <laughs> Yo, Sigmar, I need like six or seven more guys. Yo, bro, can you, can you spare some more people, please? Yeah, we got like a whole chaos thing over there. We gotta go get this infestation out. We gotta tent the whole place. Throw in <laughs> a couple of the, the gas bombs, get them out. Yep. Anyways, now we turn back to Ephrix as he's discussing the Stormcast with Narrow Lord. And then Ephrix kind of starts explaining his scheme on their conversation. And his scheme is using the copper skulls that basically coat the entire fortress to absorb the energies of the sun and the aether. Then tells the Lord that the energy collected reaches a critical mass, the fortress will never fall. What he doesn't say to the Lord is that the reason why the fortress will never fall is because he's going to use the energy collected within the skulls to let him teleport the whole realm of Chaman into the realm of chaos. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, this is his big plan. He wants to give the uh, Realm of Chaman as a gift to Zinch. I feel like there's some problems with this plan, like teleporting an entire world into another entire world. But, like, whatever happens, Zinch will be fine with it. Like, if it blows <laughs> up his realm and it's just a mess, he'll be like, yo, that's great. I like that. But Zinch will be, it was all according to my plan. But, uh,. Not enough tentacles, bro. I need everything to be a squid. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> Anyways, turn back to the Stormcast. Um, they've come to the town of Alexia, or sorry, Elixia, and are walking through. Whatever it's pronounced. Pretty much. Uh, they come across, and this is where we start seeing some of the weirdness of Zinch. They come across a street in which the houses are flipped side, upside down onto the roofs. And there's another street where scraps of buildings are standing next to regular buildings. A street where the houses are mangled into statues. Another street where the houses are houses are miniaturized and on a field of glass with like their own little mini clouds floating above them. And so on, like showing this is what Zinch is doing. It's just warping things left, right, and center. I would recommend to our, our viewers not to hire Zinch as an interior decorator. No, definitely uh, not. Unless you're uh, into that shit. Uh, unless you're into non-Euclidean uh, geometry and madness, then absolutely go for it. Yeah, the only person who would really like this is probably Tim Burton. Because he just yeah. loves that weird messed up shit. He would, he would. God, actually, was it the first Alice in Wonderland, the blood moat with heads in it? Just saying, <laughs> Red Queen, probably a corn worshipper. Mm, probably. <laughs> All right, well... Continuing on away from corn because we're not we're not talking about corn yeah. or his dead babies. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of. I thought 
is the giant skull sit oh I guess the skull citadels for Zeech. Is Zeech just like stealing Korn's aesthetic right now? Like Korn <laughs> is angrily messaging the mods, like everybody, this is stolen art. It's clearly traced from my stuff. Well these coppers are made or these skulls are made of copper, not a bronze, so not quite oh Korn's aesthetic. Slightly different brownish <laughs> <laughs> it's legally distinct corn. It's my own design. <laughs> Anyways, going back to the Stormcast. Um, so as they're traveling through town, they come across an open area that has been cleared of everything. The only thing really unusual about this area is that the whole ground is basically a giant sheet of metal leading up to the fortress. They can hear trumpets in the air, but no clear sign of enemy forces. So, Thostos guy looks at his men and he orders them to charge at the fortress. And then lightning starts coming from the skies all around him, uh, showing the arrival of the reinforcements. So, yay, Sigmar. Uh-huh. And the Judicators um, fire at the Chaos Warriors that they see them on the walls. Um, but their bolts, being kind of like little lightning bolts, all of a sudden get kind of redirected and fly towards the Copper Skulls as the Copper Skulls absorb the energy towards it. Now, as the bolts hit the skulls, the skulls get kind of overloaded and explode. And chaos uh, forces on the wall of the fortress begin firing down at Stormcast. As the skulls continue to explode, uh, one of the parapets on the walls kind of slides free and falls to the, gr um, the ground. Um, any warriors who, who survived the fall were killed by liberators. Finally, Efranx flies out of his tower and begins to pull on the energy from the fortress. The Stormcasts uh, try firing at him, but the usual no avail, Efrenx using his magic to shield himself. Then Efrenx claps his hands, and suddenly there's a different thunder that rolled across Battlefield. No, not Sigmar's thunder in the skies. Magical pink fire shot from the walls towards the Stormcast, taking the form of blades. These blades begin dueling the Stormcast. And the Stormcasts are caught off guard by this, so the first lines are taken out really easily and they turn into lightning like they would, but once again, the lightning is then redirected and absorbed into the skulls. Like, every Chaos God has seems to have a way of taking care of the Stormcast. Like, Corrin has this big portal thing to absorb the Stormcast souls into it, and Zeech is now using his magical energy-sucking skulls to absorb the Stormcast essence into it. Legally distinct magical-sucking skulls. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um... So yeah, then suddenly Howland came from inside the fortress and these silver hounds with like molten metal dripping off them, like drool come charging in and start taking out uh, Stormcast forces. But yeah, after initial surprise of the blades and the hounds, the Stormcast begin to rally and then defeat these forces. And then these hordes of animate armor come from the fortress and Thostos and his forces kind of look at them and just toss themselves into this battle. And as this starts happening, as the battle of these uh, armor happens, a shadow comes from above across Valfield, revealing a manticore uh, with a Chaos Lord flying above them. So Thassos orders his Judicators to shoot at the beast, and then kind of Thassos comes to a little plan. He orders his um, you know, melee fighting units to retreat. Then he tells his archers to shoot at the metal ground below where the enemy armor is. Once again, their bolts are basically of lightning, and so lightning surges from the metal and go like metal ground and surges through the armor, basically taking out the animated magical force that's keeping. I definitely feel feel like the Stormcast got a bit of an advantage here, with literally everything being a conductor for the one thing that they do. <laughs> Pretty much, you know, it's Zinch's uh, bad plan with the whole realm of metal thing. Uh, I mean, he does have a good plan of teleporting the Realm of Metal away, but yeah, he definitely had a disadvantage here. <laughs> yeah, so with the hordes of, like, the enemy armor taken out, Thostos gets an idea while looking at the fortress, and then tells his forces to get to the wall, and then climb the skulls. Because the skulls line everything, giving them plenty of bolts to use to climb up. And so when Thostos and his forces reach the top, more battle happens. Of course, because there's all the Chaos Warriors on top ready to fight them. But, as well as this, Efrinx is there. 
He starts utilizing more magic from the fortress and starts blasting uh, the warriors all around Thostos. And one of Stormcast gets turned into a puddle of goo. The other turns into crystal, and there's even more metamorphosis going on. Archer is a... Yeah, zap him with whatever. Turn him to goo. Yep, goo. You can't, can't get turned to lightning if you turn to goo. You can't forge goo. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Sigmar's uh, forging hammer get kind of all sticky. It's like, ah, oh, dang it, all this goo. Gotta stop sending him to Zeech. <laughs> and yeah, so Archer's attempt to shoot at Ephrax, but he stops the bolts. Uh, by using magic, and also by using magic, he, Dark Vader style, he grabs those archers by the throats, lifts them in the air, and then snaps their necks. <laughs> nice. Yep. And so, Thostos charges at Frinks, determined to end this battle. But as he does, there's this mewling howl that arises from below in like the main areas of the fortress. Suddenly, the ramparts of the wall turn into hot liquid gold and everyone falls below. And Thostos and his men ignore the burns they receive from the molten lava and they get up. And amusingly, there's all these fishes like splashing around in this gold liquid. And these fishes seem to be made of like clockwork pieces. So, another amusing zinch thing. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So, Thostos and his men get up and they look towards this thing that's howling. And there stands a Mutilix Vortex Beast. Am I saying that name right? Oh, those fu- I, I have no idea, but the Vortex Beast, right, is part. Yeah. That part is right. Blech, uh. Yeah, Mutilix oh, Vortex things. Beast. They they got tentacles. We got it. Yeah. We're in. <laughs> yeah, they are big beasts that, you know, have four legs. They Their mouths open up and tentacles come out. And they have this big kind of like portal thing on their back. They're like one of the coolest models in the entire demon line like just they're so fucking cool and it sucks that i can't ally zeech with uh nurgle because i would if i could but zeech and nurgle don't get along well zeech doesn't really get no, along with anyone <laughs> well, that's because every time you get along with zeech he takes advantage of you with like without fail it's true but yeah so the warriors uh who look at the beast all of a sudden start getting hit by this change energy coming from the portal on top of it. And this changes them into weird forms. One turns into a vase, and our one turns to a cloud of moths. So Thassos... A vase? Hmm? That's a, a vase, like when you put flowers yep. in? Okay. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Thassos tries to avert his eyes and charge to the beast. But, you know, he kind of needs to look at what he's charging at. And suddenly he himself is hit by one of these uh, change bolts. So he feels his body becoming heavier. He crashes kind of down to his knees and he waits for death. But death didn't come. He looks at his hands and everything and he sees that he has become something else. He's become living Sigmarite. Kind of the thing that uh, Sigmar uses, I believe, to forge his armors. Yeah, no, that is, that, he uses it for all sorts of stuff because it's super fucking useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he kind of like, them, holy crap, because, you know, he's able to move and everything, and our bolt of change hits him. But this bolt of change has no effect. The Sigmar form that he is seems to protect him. So, Thosser mm-hmm. kind of gets up and then strides towards the beast. It literally says, like, he basically walks towards it. He doesn't charge it. He's, like, all confident now, like, haha, you can't defeat me, and takes it down. Ephrax is watching from above, and he starts beginning a chant. But as he begins his chant, suddenly a lightning bolt hits his tower, kind of breaks a piece off, but causes an interesting effect. The artifact inside begins to reverberate, letting out a signal that Ephrax himself can hear, but he, you know, is in the middle of his spell that he's trying to cast, and so he doesn't stop this signal from being sent out. When his spell is basically complete with all his power that he's uh, gathered, he unleashes it, which causes an explosion all around the battlefield. When the effects are done, his forces and the Stormcast lay dead, but he's happy because he's defeated the Stormcast. And now we go into the final chapter, which I kind of want to read a chunk of it verbatim because it's kind of key. The chapter is called Reforged. 
Um, let's see, how much you want to read here? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be reading a good chunk here because it really describes the reforging process. Yeah, okay. Memories bubbled and slipped from Thostos. A fleeting impression of darkness and snatching hands tearing at his spirit. He was moving fast and lost in the light. The pain was so great, it overcame the universe. An ocean of agony, deeper than time. He could not recall his name. He remembered where? A land of giant beasts? A castle in a country considered civilized? A kind father? A good life? He remembered his end. Blood and death and pain for those he loves. He smelt the ruin of it, thick and cloying. He gasped. No air came to his lungs, only energy, raw and cackling. He had no lungs. Some, uh, something convulsed. There was no body. Was it his soul? Siran. Was this his name? Something twitched in the stormlight. A zygote that split and divided rapidly. A woman's face, his mother and aunt. He did not recognize them, but the sight of them brought the need for vengeance. A man's face, crowned in a circle of red gold, dead, consumed. He raged the thought, and a need for revenge gripped him more tightly. In a wash of light, delicate bones rapidly thickened, becoming a hand of bare flesh, a hand that clenched. He felt muscles grow, the strand of their fibers wrapping around one another. More bones erupted from the stuff and magic, caging organs set inflated wetly. The skull crept over a newly sprouted brain. Pain worsened. There was a narrow castle, where he had a narrow name, a land of metal, a horned man, so much pain, he thrashed, trailing streamers of raw nerves that sparkled excruciatingly. The process quickened, but in truth the duration couldn't have been months or seconds. Thostos had no frame of reference to time, only the pain. All he knew that there was a sequence of growth increased in pace. Skin, hair, teeth, nails, or something like them. Something that had their semblance, but lacked their solidity. Agony seized the skull as a new face grew over it. Twin pits of pain where flesh eyes butted. He could not bear it. Time ceased. He was elsewhere. A castle of stone, hung in a dreadful, uh, with dreadful fruits. A castle of metal, bursting from under the strain of stolen magic. A castle that hid a great prize. He opens his eyes to his name being called out from Sigmar. Thostos, Thostos Bladestorm. And he kind of goes through thoughts like, was that his name? Was that who he was? And so Sigmar asks him to stand after this whole reforging process. And I kind of want to read that, give you kind of one, a thought of what the Stormcast mental state, if you can kind of call it their mental soul-like state, and kind of the pain and everything they go through the reforging process. It is not a nice process to go through. Yeah, it sounds like it sucks a lot, honestly. Mm -hmm. here, here you go, you're gonna get to come back as a super soldier, but also you're gonna have about a month of agonizing pain, but I'll make you forget about it, so don't worry. Pretty uh, much. I don't, I don't know about that one, Chief, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, he stands looking at his body that was just reforged and everything, with Sigmar standing there, and his chamber of blade storms all around. Sigmar just kind of looks at him and is like, your forging is uh, complete. And then he asks uh, Thostos to tell him of Chaman. And Thostos basically kind of swallows and thinks about what he went through. And he's like, there was, there was a fortress of magic. He, they breached the walls. Only to die in a burst of unlight that was fought by greater light. Then Sigmar kind of looks at him and says, like, Speak to me of this greater light. This light was golden, not the bastard energy of chaos. I like that bastard energy. Um, this golden energy was violent, but pure. And then uh, Sigmar um, kind of just tensed up and then he kind of just says, I remember this energy well. He turns abruptly and calls out to Lord Vandis from the first two books. Hey, our boy's back. Yep. And Sigmar is like, prepare your warriors. That light is mine. We have found Galmaraz. And so the book ends. 
was like, Sigmar, we lost. I'm sorry. Sigmar was like, nah, bro, you got my hammer. You found it? You found my hammer? <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, I, it was taken by a most devious uh, thing. Don't remember that time I threw it through a fucking hole. Pretty much. But yeah, so that's how the book ends. And when we cover the next book, because technically the next book in this collection is actually one that delves into Gairan, and then the book after that is finishing off this. So we're going to skip the Gairan one. We'll come back to it, but I want to continue this main story because it, it gets good. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I'd rather continue this one. Um, and then hopefully, uh, what was the little dude that I love's name? Was Thing. It, was it, uh, Thing. I hope Thing comes back. I want to see. I'm, I'm invested in the story of Thing, the character we met for exactly one chapter and never again. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I really like the fact that, you know, Thing gets abused a bit. <laughs> this book is literally just lost and found. It's just we, just finding Sigmar's hammer. Pretty much. That's the whole goal of it in, in the end, even though this uh, Stormcast don't necessarily know it. I really like this book. Um, I really like how it's not just a pure battle. It's a lot of exploration of the realm of Chalmon after Zinch just kind of had its way with it, getting rid of the dirt and released. You know, we know that they, a lot of them took to disguise, but still. And seeing the after effects of it, seeing what's he just done. I really, really like this book. Yeah, I think this one was sort of a, like, cool, because each one of the, like, chaos gods is getting, like, a refresher book to be like, what are they like in Age of Sigmar? Mm -hmm. uh, are they, like, what what's sort of their MO? Because they're all a little different from what they were before. They're, like, 90% the same because they would have been developed over over years and years and years. And some of them are very different. Cough, uh, mm -hmm. cough, Slanesh got a rebrand. Um, I like to think the other Chaos Gods are like, look, Slanesh, we like you. But in a 2021 audience, this really doesn't vibe with your old style. We're going to have to do a rebrand. But um, like this book is mostly just like catching us up to what Zinch is like in this book. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and, and also just resolving the Galamaraz thing because that had to be resolved at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, like it, as a person reading it, as I mentioned before, it is super detailed, which I like. Um, it has a lot of good little bits describing it. It's this writer, I definitely feel had kind of come into it himself and was really able to write. There's a ton of dialogue that I really didn't get into because I just want to summarize the main bits. If I talk about all the dialogue, we'd still be here probably in beginning chapters. There's a lot that goes on in this. Um, yeah, it's a great little book. It It's when the Realm Gate Wars start becoming a lot stronger books because the first two are decent, but all said and done, they're fairly weak in the writing and everything in a sense. These ones, I find, is when they start becoming yeah. really, really good. Because especially when we get into the stuff with Gairan, it, it's good stuff. I definitely got to say, I think my only thoughts on this book, like, really are Zinch is the smart god. Like, of all the of all the gods, Zinch is the smartest. And it doesn't seem like he really capitalized on Galamaraz being in Shaman. So I'm almost 100% certain that he wanted Sigmar to get it back. This is Zinch. Who knows how he thinks? Because sometimes... Well, I mean, like, like, think about it this way, right? Chaos won. Mm -hmm. And now everything is just chaos winning. Like, they're, the war is pretty much done. Chaos controls everything. And that's, like, the biggest fear Zinch could have is things just sort of being over. Mm -hmm. So I feel very strong that Zinch must have wanted Sigmar to get his hammer back. Because if Sigmar gets his hammer back, then people can go back to war and things can start happening again. Well, you know, Zinch might be using it as his plot to try taking out the other Chaos Gods. Who knows? But, but again, he doesn't. I don't think he he doesn't want to take out the other Chaos Gods. He loves that the other Chaos Gods are there, causing him problems because it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, but regardless, like, there's no way that Zinch didn't want Sigmar to get that hammer back. In my brain, like, it's just there. Zinch isn't doing anything with it. Zinch, what, doesn't know that it's there? Absolutely he knows that fucking Galmaraz is there. Like, he's gotta be, he's gotta be, he's gotta be, like, making sure Sigmar gets it back so Age of Sigmar can happen. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. But, yeah, I definitely, I definitely like this book. I like Zinch. Zinch is, like, Zinch is definitely my, like, kind of least favorite of the four Chaos Gods, but he definitely has some of the more silly and interesting stuff happening because he's so weird comparatively. Oh, yeah. Well, just remember, everything is part of Zinch's plan. Even when it seems to be going wrong, it's all part of his plan. Yeah. 
<laughs> Zinch, Zinch is is the like you you play in 40k, you're basically just playing Zinch. <laughs> but yeah. But this book is so, great and I hope you enjoyed my retelling of it. Oh, I did a lot. Um our viewers did as well. Mm-hmm. Now something that I wanted to get into, so since we're sort of wrapping this up, unfortunately, good viewers, there has been almost no model releases in the last couple of weeks for us to read since the big reveal mm-hmm. of uh AOS three and Dominion. Uh, yeah, AOS three. We basically got uh, there was a cut co- was there was a couple of uh terrain sets, wasn't there? Actually, yes, they did uh, show a new terrain set um from for the Crusades. Um let me just look it up here. See if I can find that. Uh here it is. Is it uh, I think yeah this is it. There's there's a couple of terrain sets, isn't there? Um yeah, it might either be one set with a whole bunch of little pieces or it'll be separate little things. Who knows? I'm sitting on Facebook because Discord is being weird this morning. I think it might be getting... Okay, I'm looking yeah. directly at the Warhammer community uh, website. That's what I linked you as well. Okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, it's there's this there's the set with the two statues, right? Uh, the... yeah. yeah. So there's the kind of like building the two statues and then there's kind of little scatter things to the single statue wall that's being worked on and so on so we could we could we could quickly talk about that i mean it it looks nice yeah um i like these i like the fact it shows kind of because the whole point of the crusades is the forces of order are starting to spread through the realms to you know try taking it back from for destruction forces forces of death and chaos and spread you know the holy word of sigmar or whatever god (laughs) um So I really like the fact that these uh, scenery pieces show that by being showing that these pieces are works in progress with all the ramps and building pieces around them. I like it. Yep. And I, and I will say on top of that, I also like, so one of the pictures that we get gets is a little bit of a slightly closer picture of all of the units together. Mm-hmm. A lot of the pictures we've had have had the units very far apart. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing them nice and close together because this gives me a much better idea of the scale comparatively. Mm-hmm of uh, like i thought the the cruel boys are going to be smaller than they were but they're actually about the size of a friggin they're 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 almost the size of um you know our sigmarines like pretty much they're pretty big yep they're um, big boys also got some lumineth fucking trees in the back on this one those are the lumineth groves in the back um, sylvaneth oh, fuck sorry, you <laughs> whatever they're different flavor of elf and i can't tell if it's vanilla or chocolate like come on but uh, <laughs> as a Sylvanath player, I'm offended. <laughs> you should be. You're a Sylvanath player. Um, no, it, it looks good. Um, yeah, I like it. it. It's definitely scenery for the next uh, part of Age Sigmar because, like, the big scenery thing that we got before was everything in Forbidden Realms, kind of showing the um, um, storm vaults and such, which Sigmar kind of hidden all across the realm. So we got that. Now this is all. This uh, part of the story really appears that it's about order trying to spread, but now coming across new forces of destruction with yeah. the swamp orcs and such. So, I will say, and this is just like people don't have to agree with me, the marketing on this model feels a little deceptive with the way that they're marketing it. Like, they're showing, like, you see the picture of how much you get in this, and it does not look like you actually get a lot. And you get like two statues and a couple of walls, and all of the pictures have it all spread out a lot with other terrain built in. Yeah, which feels a little, a little sus to me, especially like the first picture where you've got them on these huge battle, like like um, steps that are painted to look like the terrain, even though they're not. But I guess you'll see the box. But yeah, otherwise it's fine. Not much else to talk about. Yeah, here I think there was a new 40k. Horus Heresy model, which it looked good. Mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have much of an opinion on it. That's fair. Um, I briefly just want to talk about something else, just because I'm looking at it and drooling and contemplating uh, delving into it. It's not uh, a GW model. It's actually from Kickstarter. On um, Kickstarter, they have oh, the link. Link it. Oh, I will. Um, Kickstarter, they have the new um, Witcher Old World uh, game, and I am a huge fan of the Witcher anything. Uh, there's the link for you, buddy. And the models here look glorious. They look beautifully cast for Resden. They so high of details. The game, Ooh. 
I haven't. Uh, I'm planning to watch a gameplay video after this. I am contemplating it as much as I really shouldn't. But there's so much models that are the deluxe edition exclusive for Kickstarter that I'm just like, oh, they look glorious. But they have one very important model that I'm just like, oh, that's amazing. And it's simply a roach on top of a building, a la one of the glitches that always happens to Witcher 3. It is amazing. Yeah, no, this is very interesting. Yeah, I'm contemplating. It only has a couple hours left of this recording, but oh, the more models look amazing. That is, I want to paint them all, all of them. My question is, are these going to be hard plastic? Or are these going to be rubberish? Because that, looking at the way, like, did they tell you what type of material these are made um, of? Because I the believe way that they are they're cast resin, so they'd be hard. Okay. But uh, let me just double check. They say, because I've had a lot of models from like board games that looked like they were hard plastic, and the way that they're linked to the uh, the bases sort of intrinsically looks like makes me concerned that they're going to be a rubber sort of thing that uh although you know what no they can't be the details do the details way too good like i i get what you mean because like some games um definitely have that where the models are kind of rubbery plastic they're not very hard at all but the models are never all that detailed these are super detailed so unless they've come a long way with the way of casting i have no doubt that these are resin oh yo big frog big frog big frog Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I guess if people want, by the way, as stuff comes up, we can we can talk about other stuff. So if you like to sort of branch it out into non-Games Workshop models. Um, well, this is purely hobby. And part of the hobby is enjoying that's models true. and painting other things. I've talked about other models in the past, too. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I want Big Frog. That's all I need is Big Frog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's from uh, actually, the Old World actually, Legendary Hunt they, they would make... Uh, they make good plague toads, actually. The plague toad of Nurgle models are... They sure are models that you are allowed to buy. <laughs> and uh, I would like to have better options. They are very, very old. Well, I don't think they're even sold on Fortroll anymore. Oh, they're so bad. Yeah, because... I like them because they're kind of dopey, but, like, I like this frog. That's a friend-shaped frog. But it's gross, so it definitely could make a Nurgle frog. Yeah, I'm just going to Forge World right now just to see if the Plague Toads are still there. Yeah, the Demon Plague Toads, a demon, they still appear, but they're marked as sold out. Let me just see. Uh, they're marked as no longer available. So, yeah, you cannot get them anymore, yeah. sadly. They're yeah, derpy, I mean, but definitely... I kind of like them because they're derpy. I like the Screaming one. Yeah, the Screaming one's great. But I, I mean, they're good. But I, I don't, I don't think I'd want them on the tabletop. They're so, they don't mesh well with the newer Myrtle models. They look a little weird, and so I'd probably kit bash something if I was gonna run Plague Toads, which I'm probably not gonna. But yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll them. bring actual plastic ones in the future. But uh, I do like this frog. I would like to get a few of that frog there. <laughs> he, he is pretty great. But yeah, I just wanted to share this because I am. Staring at it, really, really contemplating it, but knowing me because of how big of a Witcher fan I am, like I contemplate oh, yeah, yeah. getting a Witcher tattoo. Keep in mind, I've read all the books, played all the games. I, oh, I, okay. I, I love the Witcher stuff. I am looking at the all in. I'm like, oh, it's only 280 euros. So, like, what, 350, 400 dollars? It's only that's that with that how bad. much you get. I mean, everything. I spent uh, <laughs> I spent 500 dollars to get King of Death Monster. Mm. So. I've always wanted to play King Death Monster. In the future, we should definitely play that together. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm in the middle of a campaign. Yeah. Uh, it's not my own bo- box. I own it. So I split it with several other people. Okay, yeah. So when we're done that campaign, uh, maybe we could give it a try together. Yeah, I've heard nothing but um, great things of how brutal it is, but it sounds super interesting as yeah, a cooperative game. Like, it's sort of like a D&D... How do I phrase it? It's D&D Monster Hunter, basically. Okay. Uh, the game is, it's very combat heavy and you can kind of play it different ways. So like if you're playing it like a game, you're basically, um, you basically each game uh, boils down to three phases. There's a hunt phase, a settlement phase, and a showdown phase. So your settlement phase, you use resources that you gather to build up a settlement and they give you like more bonuses for the hunting phase. Okay, yeah. And the, sorry, it's the showdown phase and the hunting phase. So the hunt phase is when you're tracking a monster, and a bunch of, there's a bunch of random stuff that can happen. And there's a book that you sort of get 
and then there's a showdown phase where you fight a monster. And you're not playing as a character, you're playing as a town. So you're you've got a population size. Okay. And you can gain them and lose them. And each character in your population gets their own character sheet. And you can love like basically the more you play as a character, the stronger that character gets. But they can just ice it at any point. Like if, if your character dies, they're gone. Mm. Um you have to uh you have to make a new character and you pull from your population. And while we haven't encountered a failure state yet in the game that we've been playing, um, it would appear that the, the the big failure state for this game is your population hits zero. Okay. And then you run out of people because you can't send any more people out on the hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I think people who said it was really hard were a little overblown. It's very tricky for the first few levels, but once you get past that and can start actually working on builds, you're good to go. That's fair. All right, but I think... Yeah, I think uh, that's uh, enough of this. You know, it's been a longer episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we're going we're gonna to release our viewers now. You are free to go. Uh, do you want to do the outro, Carlin? Because you love doing the I, outro. I do love doing the outro. And so you're not free to go. You have to stay here just for a little bit longer. It's <laughs> <laughs> all part of our Zinchian plan. <laughs> now, welcome to our second podcast. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Realm Walkers, an H Sigmar podcast. Please like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, and review us on iTunes. Because the more you review us, the more we can spread and spread the good word of Sigmar. Or Zinch, or whoever you choose to follow, because why not? (laughs) Thank you. My name has been Carlin. I've been joined by Greg, and we hope that you have a great day. Bye. Yep, have a good one. Bye.